Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. But I really believe that we're going to hear a word from the Lord here today. I was praying this morning, and I just really feel like God wants to do something in this place today. And if you'll just, if you'll just prepare your hearts to receive the word, I'm going to tell you, God wants to do something special in this place. Amen? Amen. One more time, would you put your hands together and welcome Brother Anderson as he comes to preach. What a delight to be in the house of the Lord together. To walk in this place and feel the presence of the Lord. To feel at home in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, the family of God. We're one family that worships Him together. It is a delight to feel that God's presence is here and ministering to us today. It's a delight to be with the Nolings. Uh, If you don't know that we love them, just talk to us. We'll tell you how much we love them. And uh, so many other friends here that uh, we love and respect go way years back. And so we, we love you so much. I, I'm thankful always to get to come to Trafalgar and to Connection Point and be with you. And uh, thankful for what God is doing. I've been coming now just for I don't know a while. And every time I come, I'm just excited to see what God is doing. How many are thankful God is meeting our needs, blessing us? Amen. Give honor your pastor and sister Cindy and, and uh, their wonderful family. Thank you for inviting us. It is a quick trip for us to Indiana as we lived in Indiana so long and now we live in the frozen north of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Would you pray for us uh, as we leave? We're almost to Canada, just a few hours away and uh, it gets cold, but God has called us there and it's a blessing to live where God has called you. Now, I'm going to read a text to you, and I want you to pray with me after we read the text. Luke chapter 2 and verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting, somebody say waiting, for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What a promise to receive that you would not die before you saw that Messiah, that promised one. And so he came by spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy affliction. Would you take your phone out just for a moment? Just take your phone out. I'm not going to ask you to do anything strange with your phone, but I just want to take your phone out. I want to get across something just for a moment before we begin. Imagine you, and you don't do this in church, but imagine you text somebody right now. Imagine you sent a text and said, hey, can you do this for me today? How many would be waiting for a response? How many would be expecting a response? Like, just... I wanted to put it in your mind. You just send a text. You'd be like, is it going to be read? Are they going to respond? And you would expect God to respond. Or you would expect someone to respond. 
I was thinking this morning as I was preparing for this sermon, I really do felt the Lord, you can put your phones away, gave me to say, and I wanted to say to you this. The sermon that I will preach is not based upon what God has given me as some orator to amaze you or wow you, but I believe the Lord has sent me with a message to respond to your request, to respond to a prayer you've prayed. To respond to a season that you may have prayed over something. I, I, I do want to just say that it, it is not about the preacher this morning as we go into the word of the Lord. When you come to the preaching of the word of God, you should come to church every time as if you sent something. And surely you did. If you got up this morning or sometime this week, you said, God, I want you to speak to me. I want you to lead my life. I want you to direct me. When you come to the preaching of the word and when you come to your own prayer time, but Specifically, we know when you come to the preaching of the word, you should come to church as if God is now typing back and saying, I want to talk to you about what you've been asking me about. Would you agree with me on that this morning? Would you agree that that's our kind of God? He wants to speak to us. And he uses the word. He uses devotional. He'll use people to speak to you. But one of the greatest ways he uses it, the Bible says he chose the foolishness of preaching it doesn't it can when they say foolishness it's something that is doesn't make sense to the world go to church every sunday and hear the preaching but god chose that that his word might come alive so i believe god's directed me i'm nothing special i don't ever feel like some most time i feel like god why would you ever use me to preach i i'm not the perfect person i but god chooses and uses vessel and i believe he's chosen to use me today and i believe he's chosen to speak to you out of the requests of your heart if you believe that before we're seated i want you to lift your hands and say god i'm open to hear your word today come on would you pray as if you're expecting god to speak to you lord jesus i pray that you would help someone right now that you would speak to my heart speak to my mind Pray that, God, you would help somebody to just push everything else out right now and say, God, I'm going to listen to what you are saying in my heart and in my life right now through this preacher, God. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do, and I pray that you'd speak to every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to talk to you about waiting will do for you what nothing else can. You may be seated. The life of serving God will change a man and a woman. I've prayed most of my life asking God to answer my request. You all right with me just being honest this morning? I've prayed most of my life asking God to meet a request without understanding completely or fully waiting on God's timing. I've prayed. I can tell you that much of my prayer has been in a sense of God I'll ask you this, and if I don't see it come to pass right at that moment, then something must be out of control. I, I, I don't intend to knock asking. I don't intend to, to come against asking this morning. In fact, I plan to preach to you about asking God to do things. But I have to tell you that I, I, as it has changed me, I, I have changed my heart and my mind concerning my prayer life or concerning things in the way that I walk with God. I, I thank God for receiving, but walking with God has changed my life. I'm thankful that receiving has changed my life. I, I am thankful that I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. If I had never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, if I had never repented of my sins and been baptized in Jesus' name, I would not be who I am right now or would not see the victories that I see right now. 
right now. I thank God that you can repent of your sins and you can be forgiven. You can be buried in the waters of baptism and your sins are remitted. In fact, the whole reason that Jesus came was for the remission of sins and the salvation of our souls. I thank God for receiving. I thank God for seeing. I thank God that I have seen miracles. I thank God that I have seen God make a way when there seemed to be no way. How many could testify and say amen to that? I thank God that I have seen flesh transformed, uh, my own flesh, and I've seen other people that have been transformed by the supernatural power of God. I thank God that I have walked through some things long enough to have seen that God can perform the miracles. And what I thought was impossible, I've seen God do the impossible. I thank God that I've seen people come to God that were absolutely without any hope in this world. I'm talking about that they couldn't figure out how they could make it through one more day. I'm teaching a Bible study to someone right now that doesn't even come to church, and I meet with him at try on a weekly basis when he can, and the, the hopelessness, he wasn't raised like I was raised in church, and, and the hopelessness that, that seems to grip his heart and grip his soul every week when I meet him at his house seems to be overwhelming, but I, I thank God that I've seen people like that that didn't feel like there was anything in their life worth living for and yet God can show them that there is forgiveness and I've seen them turn their lives around and I've seen them walk with God and go through trials and tests and they don't turn back because I've seen God do mighty things in their lives. I go every week believing that God can do that for that man or whoever I'm teaching because I've seen God do it and I thank God that I have seen God do things. But one of the falsehoods of, of faith is that this little thing that our strength comes from what we see. And I do believe that there is victory in seeing things. I thank God I've seen things. But one of the falsehoods that is in our captive, in our mind and put there by the enemy is that the strength of our walk with God only comes by sight. I reckon God knew what he was doing when he told Paul to write, we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't think that's a mistake when it's in our Bible that the Bible tells us that we should walk by faith and not by sight. I'm glad to see things that have happened, but I cannot allow in my own life there to be some type of confusion that when I don't see things that God is not in control, that God is not on the throne that though I've prayed for it and asked for it I haven't seen it and so therefore God must not be anywhere near my life I just I want to take a moment here to tell you something that I, I feel specifically to say to somebody perhaps the things that you've not seen come to pass in your life are not God uh, distant from you are not God not caring about you, but you should know something about God. He wants to give things to people that ask of him rightly. God is more concerned about your eternal destination than making you feel good in this earth right now. He would rather you suffer some things that are hard sometimes that you would turn to him and repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's hard to imagine, but as a parent, you understand sometimes you don't give something to your child. You don't give something right away to a child because you understand it wouldn't bless them just to honor their wants every time. 
I told our church not too long ago, I said, you know, I used to walk into the store and I'd see those parents with those little kids and I didn't have any kids. And I'd say, and, and those little kids would do something and they'd go, I it. And I'd say, that's not going to work with me. Anybody ever done that? And then I had kids. And other people walked in the store and saw me with my kids in a moment of weakness. And they said, that's not going to work with me. How he, anybody know what I'm talking about? God cares about you enough not to let some things work the way you pray them in the way that you pray it. Because you're not really concerned about righteousness completely. Maybe you think you are, but you're not there completely. And so God will allow some timing and some things to come out of you that he might answer the request in your life according to his will and his eternal purpose. Not just his earthly purpose, but his eternal purpose for your life. That's why I preach with all of my heart today. If you have never repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, if you've never sought after the gift of the Holy Ghost as it teaches us in the book of Acts, today is a good day to go forth in that and say, God, I want what you have for my life. I'd like you to do something in my life. I want God. I've been praying God. And if you haven't done everything I've asked you to do, God, then show me how I need to change and I want to do what you want me to do in my life. In fact, repentance is really that. You know when the Bible teaches us when Jesus went to the cross, before he ever went to the cross, he prayed in his own flesh. He demonstrated in his own flesh what death looked like, what repentance looked like, because he was in the garden uh, praying before he ever went to the cross. And he said, if this cup could pass from me, I wish it would. I don't want to die like this. His flesh said, I don't want to die like this. If there's another way, let it happen. You're no different when you come to the Lord, and I'm no different when I come to the Lord and say, God, I want you to do something great in my life. I want you to give me peace. I want you to turn something around in my life, but you don't pray it in a fashion of death or repentance. God will sometimes wait. He'll sometimes hold back, and he'll wait for that prayer that says, God, it doesn't matter to me what you do in this earth as long as you will let me have your will in my life. I want to repent of everything in my life that you would want me to repent of. And at that moment, we die in repentance like Jesus died for our sins. He didn't want to in his flesh, but he, re he died, as it were, in that garden in prayer and said, not my will, but thy will be done. I think there's a weakness that the enemy tries to put into our lives when we are not seen. See, I thank God for seeing but the enemy tells you you're weak if you're not seen. And that's not altogether true. The Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's opposite. There's actually a contradiction. The, the truth is it's contradiction in this. If you're in this place and you are not seen, but you're waiting, then you're not in wrong standing with God. You're probably in right direction with God because you don't give up. You keep coming to church. You may not have surrendered everything, but you keep coming. That is what I would commend you for. But I'm challenging you, give more to God. Say, God, whatever you have in my life, I give it. 
There was a man, Simeon, that, that came and he saw what the, the, the miracles that they were wanted to do. And he, he asked them, can I buy this with money? And they said, that money perish with you. I can't give you this because you want to buy it with money. You can't have this power to see the things because you want it in some form of fashion of your own ability to get. You have to let the process happen in your life. And I'm preaching to you today. There is a process in your life of waiting on God and repenting of things and letting God rid you of some things. Waiting does for you what nothing else can do. You may be saying, God, where are you at? But in the waiting, God is killing some things in your life, destroying some things in your life. You're coming to church and you're hearing some things. You know what? I need to change. I, I need to be different. I need to walk with God in a different way. And all all the while, while you would love to see every answer that you've texted God, if you'll allow me to use that, you don't see it. You don't, you pray it, but you don't see it because God is a good God. He loves you enough to let you wait, and waiting is doing for you what nothing else can. There's nothing that waiting, or there's nothing that buying can do. There's nothing that manipulating God can do. You can't control God. He's God. He's in control. And if he puts you in a season of waiting, because he's changing you. You need to get fervent in that season and say, God, whatever you're doing in my life, I want you to do it. I want to be saved. I want my family to be saved. I want my grandchildren to be saved. I don't want them to be lost in hell. And God, if you're letting me wait right now, because the things that I would ask you for would contradict that, then there's a God who will let you wait because waiting does for you what nothing else can. The Bible says it was revealed to this man that uh, he would see, he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I want you to think about this with me for a moment. The fact that he was not seen could not kill him. How many ever felt when you couldn't see something it was going to kill you. I'm not talking about maybe physically, but it was killing something in you. It was destroying your faith. You felt like it. And actually, the truth is, the promise is this, that if you'll wait on him, and this man waited on him, went and did his job every day in the temple that he was supposed to do laboring in the service of the kingdom of God, that he was given a promise that he would not see Death. Didn't matter how old he got, how long he had to wait. It, death had no power in his life if he waited on God. Now that's contradictory to everything my flesh tells me. That if I wait on God and he doesn't do it, it's going to kill me. Death, that final and great onslaught of our life, had no power against a man or a woman who says, I will Wait on the Lord. The Bible says no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Even death cannot prosper against this man or woman waiting on the Lord. I would tell you that fear, doubt, torment cannot prosper against someone who is faithful waiting on the Lord. The Bible says in Romans about tribulation or distress or persecution when God loves us. That none of these things 
can stop us from the love of God. And I would tell you, you need to just make up in your mind right now, waiting is not going to kill me. In fact, it's doing something in me that nothing else can I will tell you the other thing, the enemy. I could talk all day about what the enemy tells you while you're in a season of waiting. He says, waiting ought to make you ashamed because you can't see it, because you're not experiencing it, because you can't grab hold of it and hold it up and say, this is what has happened, that somehow waiting ought to make you ashamed of who you are and your walk with God and all the things. And all the while, really, we know we're nothing in this sight of God. We're just as grass as it were. We're just withering away, the Bible tells us. But God loves us, even that state of our human frailty. God loves us. And here's what the Bible says in Psalm 25 and verse 3. Yea, let not None that wait on thee be ashamed. I want to tell you, waiting on God shouldn't make you ashamed. It should bring a hope into your life that God is doing something. Waiting will not destroy the promise in your life. It will teach you God's timing. The time and seasons are in the hands of the Lord. I could preach all day about what waiting will do for you that nothing else can do. But I've got to come to a part that I I think we, we confuse about waiting. Waiting sometimes seems as if we're just standing there waiting to receive but that is not really what waiting is in fact the new testament when we talk about receiving the gift of the holy ghost gives us one of the greatest definitions of waiting when he said to them i want you to go and tarry or stay and wait in jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high that didn't mean they just went and and sat in a room and said hey you want to get some coffee today from starbucks let's get some books to read let's do all this the bible teaches that they were there and they were faithful in prayer and in seeking god they were waiting on god and one of the things i've come to tell you that i love about god is that i've seen him do things i'm thankful i've received him to do things but i'm also thankful that he wrote so many times about asking or knocking You all right with this? That while you're waiting, it involves faithful asking and knocking. I'm going to just tell somebody, you need to start praying every day, wherever you're at, whatever you need. If you've not completely repented, you need to start praying in repentance every day. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, it's the time to start just saying, God, I want you to reveal to me. I want you to work on my heart. I want you to open my mind and begin to say that. If you've not received the Holy Ghost, you need to just begin to pray and say, God, I want to receive the Holy Ghost like they did in the book of Acts. I am I'm waiting, but my waiting is not some uh, a way of just sitting here uh, not doing anything, I'm going to begin to ask and seek. The Bible tells us, see, I'm grateful for asking and seeking. I'm, I'm thankful that God gave us this. The, the Bible says in Matthew 7 and 8, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. Now, see, that's where we take and say, I ask, I get it now. No. You ask, you get it when everything is aligned perfectly to God's will. For your eternal, somebody hear me now, eternal purpose. And the one who seeks, finds. I may believe that. I'm not going to preach to you that this doesn't happen. I'm going to tell you it does happen. And the one who knocks, it will be open. 
I want to tell you, just let me preach for just a couple minutes. I believe and I'm thankful that asking and receiving are a gracious gift that God gave to my life. When I wake up in the morning, I get the opportunity to begin to ask God, God, I pray over myself. God, let your kingdom come in my life. I'm asking you, God, to do miracles for me. I'm asking you, God, to change me and make me what I need to be. God, I'm asking you over my wife that you would bless her and give her healing and give her strength. I'm so glad, God, you gave me the chance to pray over my children, God. I ask you to bless my children. I ask you to give them strength to walk with you, God. Whatever would come against them, I'm so glad, God, you gave me the opportunity to ask and you would help me to receive and to knock and you would help me to find. Others may be making fun of it. Others may say, why do you put your trust in God? But I'm going to tell you, there's something about waiting on God and asking that nothing else can do. I don't walk ashamed out of a prayer meeting in the morning with God and say, I can't believe I asked again and I've not seen everything. I walk out with a little bit of faith and say, God, I'm so glad that you hear my voice. I'm so glad that you're listening when I pray about my children. You know, when Jesus went to pray for Lazarus, have you ever Notice this. I noticed it the other day. I don't know why. It, it, some things you see and you read. The Bible tells us he loved Lazarus. He cared for him. And that he wept. And he got there. And there was emotion in his life. And when he began to pray, he had them to roll away the stone. And Jesus said something. He teaches us so many things in his own lifestyle. He said, Father, I thank thee that you hear my prayers. Now, if you, don't, if you don't understand what that's teaching us, it's Jesus saying, in my humanity, I pray to the Spirit. It's one Spirit, one God. And he said, in my humanity, I'm going to show all of you that you can ask the Spirit of God, which Jesus is fully Spirit and fully man. And he teaches us in prayer, in his humanity, I pray to the Spirit. And I'm thankful in my humanity, I can ask and know that God will hear my prayer. I just want to tell you something right now. I'm glad God gave me the opportunity to ask. And I'm glad that God hears my prayer. And if you will repent of your sins, God will hear your prayer. And if you will ask him to fill you with the Holy Ghost, God will heal your, hear your prayer. If you ask him for healing, God will hear your prayer. If you ask him to save your family, God will hear, you, hear your prayer. If you ask him to do miracles, God will hear your prayer. There is a finding in store for those who seek. Let it be settled. I'm going to knock, and you can try and turn me away if you want, but you won't because I found up in my mind that I've seen him do things, and faith cometh by hearing. His word tells me he'll do things. Others may just try to peek in the window. They may look and walk up the sidewalk and, and knock a little bit and say, I, I wonder if God's home. I wonder if he'll do something, but I'm going to stand outside and keep knocking with the determination that God, through my lifetime, I may not see everything in the time that I wanted to see, but you're going to find me knocking on the door because waiting is doing something for me that nothing else can. You're working in my life while I'm waiting. You're changing me while I'm waiting. And if I wait and if I knock, you will open the door that is right in my life. You will provide the miracle that is right in my life. So I thank God for asking and seeking and knocking. And I come to tell you that some will tell you that they say the move of God can be manipulated. Just let me, let me just deal with you just for a moment in things that are preached wrong and taught wrong in our world. If I could be so bold, 
Some will tell you that you can move God to do it immediately if you stir up your faith and say it a certain way. And if you have somebody pray over you, and they will begin to manipulate you and say, if you give this amount of money, you can have what you want. And that's not always true. God will hear your prayer. He will open the door. He will do it, but he will do it in his timing. He will do it in his way because he's caring about your eternal soul. And he wants to save you and save your family. And if he has to change something in you, he'll begin to change it. Some will tell you it's basically that you can just make something happen. But I will tell you that's a mockery of God's word because over and over again, the Scripture tells us that there are seasons of waiting, and it tells us to wait on the Lord. The Bible says there is no uh, vain in our labor. They that labor, labor not in vain, though they don't see it. We just keep laboring. Let it be settled. I want to tell you, there is a place of persistence, and don't let anyone mock you out of your persistent faith into a faith of manipulation. Don't let anyone uh, cause you to turn away from truth and from what's being preached to you on the pulpit on Sundays and Wednesdays, and what you're reading in the word of God don't let anybody turn you away into some manipulative faith could I just take you a little bit further and tell you sometimes people tell you that faith is measured by what results you see that's not what Jesus told us Jesus never told us that he saw great faith by what results people saw when Jesus spoke of great faith he talked about a woman who came to him and said I'd like to have a miracle and he said it's not sent to you that woman who had a, a, a daughter grieving vexed he said listen I have not come but to the children of Israel and to the house of Israel and she kind of became persistent with him and said you don't understand I know who you are and I'll wait on you I will pray and I will ask you and I will talk to you and she said even the do dogs get the crumbs that fall from the table in other words you came to prepare the table for the house of Israel but I'm just a Gentile and I may be looked at as like a dog but I'm going to wait however long it takes because I believe there's a power in waiting. I believe there's a power in asking. I believe there's a power in knocking. And so she said, you've got to understand something. You can try to send people away, but I won't go away because I believe you're a God that hears those who ask and those that knock, you will open the doors. And Jesus measured her faith against a whole great group of people and said, you have Great faith. Not because of the results she saw, but because of her persistence. Jesus measures faith by your pursuit, not the results. Once you have the results, the Bible says faith is that which is hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Once you have it, it's not, a, it's not an evidence of your faith. It shows that there was faith there, but now it brings out worship and praise. Thank you, God, for what I've seen. Faith is what you believe for when you haven't seen it. Some of you have never experienced God in a fashion that you've seen others experience him. And I want to tell you that that God is here today. And you need to knock on the door. How does that look sometimes? I remember... Uh, I'll just tell you, God, God pays attention to people who mess, mess the order of everything up. That woman messed the order of everything up. She came and she, the disciples, you know, nobody wanted to pay attention to her. She just said, you don't understand. I am waiting on him. I'm, I'm going to see something for my child. I need something from him. I'm waiting on him. 
There's a woman who touched the hem of his garment. She had waited a long time, but she was going to get into the crowd and touch the hem of his garment. And it's disruptive what she does. He turns and says, there's something happening right now because somebody is pushing through and knocking at the door. I will tell you that I've seen it happen. I, I've experienced it in my whole life when I just keep knocking and keep pressing and I lift my hands. I go to a service and it doesn't matter to me what anybody else does at this altar today. When I am in tune with waiting, I know that I want something from God. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. I'll lift my hands, and if I have to just get a little bit exuberant, if I, tears begin to flow, I'll say, God, I'm waiting on you to do something in my life, so I'm asking you to do it. And I do that day after day after day because I'm waiting. And waiting is changing me. If I had time to preach, I know I could tell you how waiting builds your faith. Waiting strengthens you like nothing else can. Waiting brings hope. You know, you don't really need hope if you see everything you pray about. But waiting brings hope. Waiting brings the growth in your life that God changes you. You just have to pardon me right now. If you don't like tradition or if you like tradition, tradition sometimes goes out the window when somebody is waiting on God to do something. It means worship service begins on a Sunday morning and somebody says, now, y'all might be waiting until altar call, but I'm going to get something from God right here, right now, because I'm waiting on him. And even if he doesn't answer me in this worship service, I'll come back at altar service and I'll be back Wednesday night and I'll be back the next Sunday morning because you don't understand, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I've got that phone. I'm trying not to be too carnal with my illustration, but I, it's like there's dots. I know God's speaking and I'm just waiting on him to show me what he wants to say in my life. I'm waiting. So you just pardon me if I just praise him and I just worship him and you just pardon me if the Tears flowing. I'm not really paying attention now I, I, to, to what the order of the service is. I want to tell you when God sees somebody interrupt something like that, I, I'm just come to pray today and get what God has for me. God says, I'm paying attention right now. There's somebody who's, who's waiting, and waiting will do for you. Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees, He said, One of the most wicked things you do is you shut up heaven. To those that are looking. They made the church a, a, all about what you could pay and do and, and, and things like that. And he said, you shut up heaven. And neither do you go in, nor do you let anybody else. Don't be mistaken. The enemy wants to shut up your life from praying and waiting on God. Did it in the time of Jesus. And he'll distract you. He'll do whatever he can to get you compl complicated in this world. And forget that you have a, a greater purpose. You are waiting on God. I can't preach too much longer. But I, I, I just feel passionate to tell you. We need a revival of asking, seeking, and knocking. The Bible tells you. You, you all right with this? You have not because you ask not. And if waiting has discouraged you from asking, then I challenge you today to say, no, 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 no. I will not stop waiting. I'll wait and I'll pray and waiting. See, Simeon saw the Messiah because he waited. Wow. Women, you wait nine months and that beautiful child comes and you see it. And how many know that waiting 
I have to be careful. I have to be careful as a man. Sometimes I say, come on, just, just forget that hunger pain. Forget that. Anybody, men know what I'm talking about? What's, what? Does it have to be? And she's waiting and travailing. And there's something precious coming. And she's, that woman is, is bringing forth into this world and waiting. And that man held up the Messiah. And it would not have happened in his life if he had not been faithful in every day going to where he was supposed to go. Being in the service of the temple. And one day, the Messiah walks in and he holds up that little child and says, I've seen what I waited to see for. And waiting, see, if you don't wait, you'll never see that miracle that God promised you. You could get discouraged and leave and say, I've been going for a while, but I haven't seen it. And God's trying to change you because waiting is ultimately your eternal uh, transformation to what God has for your eternal life. I will tell you that Jesus didn't associate faith with results. He associated with seeking in long Jesus actually associated faith with in long seasons when you don't see something. You keep asking. You keep knocking. Jesus said, that, that is faith. Now, let me just tell you, in that season while you're waiting, don't get complacent and say, oh, I'm just a good waiter. And you quit praying and you quit, quit repenting and you quit. you got to stay in tune. you got to wait in fervency. Abraham is measured by his faith in the book of Hebrews, and he never actually saw the city physically and the promise that he would see on earth. But he's measured by his looking. It says Abraham looked for a city. He didn't see it in his flesh, but he saw it in his spirit. Hear me, somebody. I thank God for receiving. I thank God for asking. But I thank God for waiting. Because waiting will do for your life. But nothing else can do. That's just our keyboards to come just for a moment. I'm going to take you to one last text. If the Lord would help us, I, I, I'm finished. I want to just give an altar call. And I want you to believe as if not this preacher came because he had thought he had a great sermon for you. And I somehow planned to preach this in some way like this will amaze people. No, I will tell you that I found most of the time with preaching that when God sends me somewhere with a sermon, it's not because of something I've done. It's because of something you're doing. You're seeking God. There's something deep in you that is here. And so God sends along a preacher and says, I'm going to send you with a sermon just to be the vessel because there is actually something going on in hearts and lives where I send you to that they are looking. The Bible says he sent Philip to a centurion who was reading his scripture in a chariot. How many know that story in Acts chapter 10? I'm not going to take a long time. But God sent him from Samaria or chapter 8 chapter eight, and sent him from Samaria to just in the middle of nowhere with a man who was reading in his chariot the words and needed somebody to explain it. And when God sends somebody with a sermon like this, don't think it's about me. Don't think God's, oh wow, God must really speak to him. He must be really something. That's not what it's about. God actually is listening to your prayers. He's listening to your, your voice. He's listening to your heart when you cry out to him. And you may be confused. You may not be doing everything right. You may not have repented the way you went to repent. And you may not, you may be asking God amiss. You may be saying, God, I want your will, but I want it this way. And God sent a preacher along because you're praying and there's something in you that hungers. And he said, I'm going to give you an answer. You all right? 
I'm going to give you an answer. I'm going to send him along to tell you that you're waiting, and waiting is not killing you. Waiting is not destroying your faith, but waiting is changing is something in you to be more like the Word of God that God wants to do in your life for eternal purpose. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 18, if they can put that up, and I close with this, that there was a, in a judge uh, uh, who neither feared God nor re- revered men and respected men. He was not a nice judge. He really didn't care about men. And he, he didn't have any love for God. Jesus told this story. He said, in a city there was a judge. And he wasn't even, as somebody would think, of a very just judge. He was just given the power and authority. He could do what he wanted. He could manipulate however he wanted. He could go and do whatever he wanted. Because sometimes people get into power and they can act that way. We don't believe that about all our judges. We don't believe that about all our petitions. But we politicians. But you know, sometimes people just get power and they do what they want to do with the power. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And God was talking about somebody like that. He said there was a judge in a city who just did what he wanted to do. And he said there was a woman, verse number three, a widow in the city who kept coming to him and say, give me justice against my adversary. I want victory in my life against the adversary. And somebody in this place wants victory over the enemy. We all want it. We're praying, God, I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost for eternity. Give me victory over the adversary. Give me victory over Satan. Give me victory over the things that holds our city in Give us revival over the things that keep us from seeing revival. Give us, God, victory over our adversary. And she went to a judge who neither feared God nor even cared about people. He wasn't a good judge. He had no merits that you'd say, all right, this is the judge you go to. He was just a judge that had power. And she went every day waiting, as it were, a widow saying, I want victory over my adversary. I want my enemy to be destroyed i want the victory god has promised me i feel what i'm saying right now verse four and for a while he refused but afterward he said to himself though i neither fear god nor i respect man he said yet because this widow keeps bothering me she's waiting she's just not gonna give up until i give her justice so that she will not be beat down by her continual or she will beat me down by her continual somebody say continual continual how long have you been coming i don't know how long have you been praying for that promise i don't know but you keep coming and you keep waiting because waiting is doing something for you that nothing else can do waiting is opening doors that nothing else can do waiting is bringing revival that nothing else can do waiting is going to save your family like nothing else can do it's continual it's continual It's continual waiting. It's continual waiting. Be seated just a moment. It's just continual. You say, preacher, what do you mean? You turn it all over to God and keep waiting. And by waiting, I don't mean just not going. The Bible tells us of the exodus, of the great exodus that we talk about in the Red Sea. One of the things he said to them was, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. Which means basically, you're going to go to where I tell you to go. 
which means you're going to be entrapped by the Red Sea, and you're going to be entrapped by the mountains and the wilderness, and Pharaoh's going to be coming after you, and you wait there. You're faithful there. You do what you're supposed to do there, and I'm going to do a miracle. And what God does is he parts a Red Sea while you're waiting, but you're waiting in faithfulness. You're at church. You're praying. You're seeking. You're continual. So the judge uh, said, you know what? I'm just going to do this because they're continual. They just, she does not give up. She knows how to wait. And waiting can do for you what nothing else can do. There was a woman. I, I'm going to close with this illustration. There was a woman that lived in our neighborhood. She had moved here. We had some families that had come, I believe, from India. If I'm going to, and there was a group that lived a few houses down from us while we lived in Indianapolis over in Avon before we moved to Eau Claire. And I did work from home and I, I, I ran out to do appointments. And so I had a front office that was right in my, uh, in my, uh, front of my house it had two windows looking out and so I would work there many times I had my computer set up and they had brought with them uh, elderly grandmother type that had come with them and it was clearly distinguishable by her dress and by the way that she was a part of their family and uh, one day she came knocking at the door and I met her and I gave her something and uh, this was just she couldn't really speak to me she couldn't talk to me very well she just just said something, one word, and she just said, I need this. Or she just put a cup into my hand, and I figured out what she needed. She couldn't communicate all that well. She was a very deliberate woman. And what it was, was she, what I can figure out, we never really did get the chance to talk. We had the communication barrier, but all I can figure out was she was elderly, and she had been left at home, brought over here, and they all had to work, and she was at home, and she liked to bake in the middle of the day. And she didn't have a car and didn't know how to drive in a foreign country. She had never learned. And when she liked to bake, if she was out of something, she would show up. One day, my wife was getting ready upstairs or something. I don't know exactly what, but she couldn't get to the door. And my wife spooks a little bit, and she called me and said, Josh, there is a lady who has knocked on our door and is... Uh, now walked out, she knocked and she knocked and she knocked and she wouldn't stop knocking and didn't go because I was kind of, you were kind of scared. You were like, I don't know who it was. But you finally went and peeked out the window and she was going down the street and she said, she's, she must be that grandmother from that family and she's got a cup in her hand. And I said, I want you to listen to me real close. I said, I want you to do everything I tell you to do. I said, I want you to go to the cupboard and I want you to get the canister of sugar and I want you to chase her down the street and I just want you to give her sugar and then I want you to take her home. I said, you don't know this, but I know what's going on in her life. I've been doing this for her. I said, she wants sugar and she doesn't know how to communicate, but she's going to walk that whole neighborhood and everybody's gone during the day and she's going to knock on every door three or four times and she will not give up until she just stands there with her cup. She's moved from a lang uh, another city another country she doesn't know the languages but she wants to bake and if she wants to bake she's going to get what she needs so that when her grandkids get home she's going to have fresh whatever sweets they want and I said you get that sugar out of that cupboard and I want you to go down the street and Crystal got in her car because she was already three or four houses down and she got the she said are you serious I said listen to me just get the sugar and chase that woman down because I know what she wants and she is a persistent lady and she's doing something good and you got to give it to her. Crystal picked her up. The woman got in. They couldn't speak. She said she wanted two cups that day, if I'm not mistaken. She had 
You just gave her the whole canister. Just gave her the whole canister, drove her home, and said, you just bake whatever you want. Jesus said, he said, verse number six, hear what the unjust saith. But shall not God, verse 7, avenge his very own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I will tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, the Son of Man cometh. Shall he find faith on the earth? Will he find a woman going from house to house that has a purpose in her life, that has a calling in her life? Father God has called you to be a spiritual leader. Mother God has called you to walk with God. Pastor God has called you. Minister God has called you. Will you walk by faith and knock on every door and wait? Wait. And I tell you that story not to tell you that I'm some grand person and moved with emotion, but I'm telling you that story that I, I, I cared for that woman and I don't even know or never knew her name. And I just said, you got to do what she's asking you to do. You got to meet her need because that woman is a determined woman and she's waiting. She'll go to every door. I don't want her to get lost. I don't know where she'll go next, but she's going to keep going until she gets that sugar. And I'm just telling you that if you make up in your mind like that to live for God in that way, God, who is a loving God, will at the right time and in the right way meet your need. And if you've never repented of your sins, I want to tell you, God will speedily forgive you of your sins today. If you will come and lift your hands and begin to repent and begin to seek for the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. God wants to do a work in your life. He is a God that maybe you say, I've had a lot of things go the way I didn't plan them to go, but I've been looking for God. And God may not have put everything in your life because he was sending you to a moment like this where you make up in your mind, I'm going to live for God. I want what you have for me, God. I ask of it. I'm going to seek for it. And I'm going to knock, God, until you change my life the way you want to change my life. And if you're serving in the kingdom of God, keep serving, keep knocking, keep praying for your family, keep believing because God hears our prayers and waiting will do for you what nothing else can do. Would you stand with me and would you close your hands or close your eyes and lift your hands? Come on, would you begin to pray? I, I think somebody's going to come out and step right into this aisle right now. Before the music even begins to sing, I want somebody to just come lift their hands right now. I want you to just come say, this is me. This was for me. I've been asking you, God. I've been asking you, God, to speak to me. I want somebody, maybe you feel like you've never really completely repented. I wish you'd just come and you'd just say, God, I hear you and I want to repent right now. I want to lift my hands and I want to begin to repent and give you my heart today I want to give you my mind today I want to give you my soul God's going to hear you I want you to begin to pray come on people help me help those that feel the ghost would you begin to pray with somebody if you've never received the Holy Ghost I want you to begin to talk to God and say God I'd like to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost I want you to do something in my life I'd like you to change me Lord God come on there's gonna be an atmosphere of faith if maybe you've gotten complacent, I wish you'd just come and begin to pray. Come on, God's hearing your voice right now. God's hearing your prayer right now. This is an awesome atmosphere to turn some things over to God. This is an awesome atmosphere to say, God, I want you in my life. Come on, let your voice be heard. Begin to pray. Begin to worship the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, God's going to do a miracle. God's going to do a miracle. God's going to do a miracle. Waiting is not killing you. Waiting is bringing to pass what you'd like to see in your life. Come on, there's an atmosphere. The, the Holy Ghost is still drawing somebody to come. The Holy Ghost is still asking somebody to come. Just turn your life over to me. Turn your heart over to me right now. Come on, the Holy Ghost is still drawing somebody. God's Spirit is still pulling at somebody's heart and life. Would you come closer? Would you talk to me? God, would you meet my need today? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.